Wimity Wham Wham Wazzle, welcome back to Under the Bridge. <laughs> welcome to Under the Bridge, everybody. I was not ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> you like how it took me 10 seconds to think of an intro again, and that was the best I could do? <laughs> uh, welcome, everybody. <laughs> yes, welcome. I'm Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And I am Greg, a.k.a. Greg. Indeed you are. Now, before we get into news of the gaming variety, of which I actually have some this week, ordinarily, I don't talk too much about celebrity deaths on this podcast, because A, it seems like I'd be doing this once a week at this rate, and B, a lot of the times, the celebrity in question is somebody whose body of work I'm not overtly familiar with, but I am aware that they are a big deal, so it feels disingenuous, you know? Yeah, no, I understand that. But in this case, this is an actor who's very near and dear to my heart, so I felt like it needed remarking on. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we bid farewell to actor Kevin Conroy, the voice of animated Batman in many, many things. Yeah, when I saw that pop up on my newsfeed, it's like, oh... That is a very, very significant passing if you grew up with that stuff. Yeah, because not only was he, he was Batman in, obviously, you know, the animated series and the subsequent Justice League cartoons, but he was also in the Arkham video games, he was Batman in that animated Killing Joke movie and a bunch of other stuff, just an absolute legend in terms mm. of Batman voice acting. Yes. And for many, the definitive Batman. Yeah. Definitely understandable, especially since he was basically, he was the voice of Batman, or at least animated Batman. Exactly. Turns out it was cancer, apparently. Oh, Jesus. Yep, getting real tired of reading that shit. Obligatory cancer sucks. It does. Mm. Well, we pour one out for Mr. Conroy. Indeed we do. Batman will not be the same without you, good sir. Yeah, indeed. Anyways, on to the funny stuff. Wimity wham wham wazzle! <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I should have said wubba lubba dub dub, but eh, mm. last thing I need is Rick and Morty. Uh, understandable. The Pokemon games leaked. Really? Yeah, I'm not going to talk about... It's actually pretty common <laughs> with Pokemon games. I'm not going to talk about what was in those leaks and what was revealed, because that would be shitty perpetuating journalism. Mm. But it happened. And I've already read all the leaks. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, I guess the question at that point is, do you still see yourself buying them with all the leaks? (laughs) I mean, yeah. Mm. I don't know. I'm torn between wanting to play them right now and not wanting to give Game Freak $60 to continue this, but... Yeah, we'll see. Anyways, that was just a minor thing. If you don't want to be spoiled on Pokemon, beware of social media, friends, because... Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Alright, well, like I said, I'm sub- if this is common, then that's news to me, but I I take it it's like it's not even like a certain bits, it's like pretty much the whole game was leaked. No, what generally happens is somebody will break street date and sell the games early. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> right? What a great time. Oh, that's so shitty. <laughs> Here's something about a game series that I've never really taken much time to play, but it does feature something near and dear to my heart, and that's Dungeons & Dragons. Hmm. We're expected to get some Baldur's Gate 3 updates in 2022. Oh, really? Yeah. 
okay. Larian Studios, the developer, announced in a blog post, we're on track for release in 2023, and we'll have more on that in December, so we're probably getting a release date next month. God, when was the last Baldur's Gate game? Because it's been a little while, hasn't it? I want to say it was for the PlayStation 2. <laughs> probably. Well, let's see. Alright, okay, so the first result I got was Baldur's Gate 2 Enhanced Edition for, for like, PS4 Con- and Switch in 2013. Yeah, so it's like, okay, that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, let's see, Baldur's Gate 2 came out in... 2000! Jinx, you owe me a Coke. <laughs> never buy you a Coke. Alright, so yeah, it's been, to say the very, it's been a minute One week Mav. since you looked at me, cocked <laughs> your head to the side and said I'm angry. It's been a minute, hasn't it, Mav? Yep. Mm. Alright, well, I, good. Was that good. supposed to be a Top Gun reference? Because I don't know enough of the lines in that movie to get it. That was a Top Gun re- reference. It was, well, said, damn it. He said that during the bit when they got back into the F-14. What was the response? I For me, it was just a thing, until I'm going, shut the fuck up, Tom Cruise. <laughs> It's the whole bit where they're, like, getting the plane ready, and as they go out to the taxiway, Brewster's just like, why are the wings coming out? Eh, <laughs> uh, Alright, well, happy for the fans of Baldur's Gate, that's for sure. Yeah, they're actively playtesting Acts 2 and 3 of the story, I guess. Oh, okay. So we'll get more updates on that next month. Hmm. And then in big news that just broke today, we've got the full list of the 2022 Game Awards nominees. Oh. Boy? Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> it's going to be taking place at noon on December 8th, I guess. Noon at December 8th? Wait, what day is that? That's a Thursday. That's weird. However, this article that I'm seeing says it will be streamed online for free Thursday, December 8th, 7.30pm. So, I don't know. I have to look into this a little more closely now. I wonder if they're doing a thing where... For a lot of Japanese events during the pandemic, I know they did this for like the last major JoJo's Bizarre Adventure event. They had this thing where you could effectively buy tickets to watch the stream for the whole for the show, like through Twitch or whatever. I wonder if that's kind of the sim- the similar thing here. I just want to know when. Why is a Swedish chef there? <laughs> Not the thing I was expecting to hear. <laughs> okay, results are inconclusive. Hmm. I'm not seeing any actual source for what time it's streaming. I think people are taking the nominee reveal as the actual time. Yeah, that's... I would hope that that's not the actual time, because that's a really... It's a really awkward time, and also it's definitely not prime time by any means. I mean, you know, if you live in the UK, that's a wonderful time for you. But otherwise, that's a really weird time for a, for an American show. Yeah, this is another case, getting back to the actual nominees, where unfortunately, I'm way behind on my gaming, so <laughs> I don't recognize most of these. Mm. Or at least, I recognize them, but I have no strong opinions. Yeah, it's the whole thing of, like, I recognize these, I just, you know, kinda don't care. <laughs> Pokemon Legends Arceus is apparently up for best roleplaying, which, <laughs> that's adorable. Mm. There's no way it beats Elden Ring or Xenoblade 3. Oh god, no, especially not Elden Ring. Yeah. Oh god, the be- the one I have the most opinion on is Best Family, probably. Best Family? <laughs> I assume they mean Best Family Game. Oh, okay. 
because we got Kirby in the Forgotten Land, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga, Mario Rabbit Sparks of Hope, Nintendo Switch Sports, and Splatoon 3. Hmm. Okay, that's a interesting one. I, so I'm also looking at the list, and I've noticed for Best Audio Design, two of the nominees are Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 and Gran Turismo 7, neither of which... Well, okay, Gran Turismo 7 took a massive leap upwards for sound design compared to previous entries. And I haven't played the game, so I can't really completely comment on it. But for the sake of principle, I don't want it to win. <laughs> and then Modern Warfare 2, I, I actually did buy Modern Warfare 2 recently, just because it's like, okay, fuck it. I know I'm going to play it at some point, so I might as well grab it. I haven't played a lot of it, so I can't comment on it too much. I do kind of feel like the first Modern Warfare from a few years ago did have better audio design for a lot of things from the little bit I've played so far. But we'll see what happens there. I think that's the only category where I had, like, an extended opinion, though. <laughs> uh, I, I guess there's a couple of others that I have opinions on. Most Anticipated. Mm -hmm. Somehow has Hogwarts Legacy on it. Okay, so... I just want to make sure. The Game Awards is only for games that have actually, like, come out in the past year, correct? No, this is Most Anticipated. Oh, I'm sorry. No, not, not the thing that you just said. <laughs> in, I was asking in a general sense. I mean, yeah. Okay, then never mind. Then I rescind my criticism I was getting ready to put out. There's also Final Fantasy sixteen, Resident Evil 4, Starfield, and Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. I feel like Legend of Zelda's gonna win that one. Oh, you'd be surprised. I'd mm. give it to I'd give it to Final Fantasy sixteen or Resident Evil four. I mean, of all of those, Final Fantasy sixteen is the one that I am anticipating the most, but Neither of these are my pick. They're just what I think is gonna win. Fair. Fair fair enough. And then also we have a Best Adaptation Award, which is new. Okay. And rightfully so, considering video game adaptations previously. <laughs> Fair. In any case, our candidates are Arcane League of Legends, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, The Cuphead Show, Uncharted, and Sonic the Hedgehog 2. So I still haven't seen Sonic 2. What? Yeah, I, I never got a chance to see it in theaters. Shit, you're right. We need to fix that. Yeah. I don't uh, think it's gonna win. No, God, no. I, I would imagine Cyberpunk. Honestly, I feel like Cyberpunk would probably be the one to win. Cyberpunk is probably the front runner, but it also wouldn't surprise me if either Arcane or maybe even the Cuphead show took it. I don't see Uncharted, and I don't see Sonic 2 winning. Yeah, although the Cyberpunk one I'm kind of in with, because it very much authentically captures the aesthetic, overall aesthetic and world of the Cyberpunk game, but it's also kind of one of those things where, uh, okay, no, actually never mind, because I realize that that's me being nitpicky, so... Yeah, Edge Runners would probably be the one that I would expect to win. Fair assessment. And then there's a bunch of esports stuff that I do Which not give a shit about. I don't pay any attention <laughs> to either. Oh, so God. I guess we'll move on. Yes. <laughs> I'm looking forward to watching these at whatever time they decide to put them out which is yeah. hopefully not noon. Which is hopefully not noon in the middle of the damn day where no one would be watching. God, I hope that's everybody being an idiot. Yeah, for real. You ever want a Snoop Dogg biopic? <laughs> okay, so I actually did. So I actually did see this. I wasn't expecting you to include it on the news list, but I did see an article about it, and I did actually sit there and go, 
okay, but why though? <laughs> I I genuinely don't get it because it's like I feel like normally when it comes to biopics that cover individuals, the the individual in question has either died or they're still alive, but they're kind of at a portion of their life where you know, they've kind of done everything that they've needed to and they're just kind of kicking back and now people are, like, showing appreciation for what they do. Snoop Dogg still has plenty of life and creativity and whatnot in him. So I... I I do not understand this. I am very much looking forward to it. I definitely want to see this movie, but I I do not understand why this exists, like, to be be completely honest. You know why it exists? Is there a smoke weed every day joke somewhere in here? No, it exists because it's the first film under Snoop Dogg's newly formed Death Row Pictures. <laughs> of course it's called Death Row Pictures. <laughs> so, he's responsible for this. Okay, now it makes more sense. Because <laughs> I was thinking it's like only Snoop Dogg would be the person to do that. It's like, and Snoop Dogg's the one who's bankrolling and making the movie happen. All right. Okay, cool. That that does actually make more sense. We can we can now proceed. <laughs> Interestingly enough, <laughs> can't believe I'm saying this. Joe Robert Cole is writing the script, and that's notable because he was a co-writer on both of the Black Panther movies. I. F- mm. We have a quote from the dog himself. Oh boy. I waited a long time to put this project together. Because I wanted to choose the right director, the perfect writer, and the greatest movie company I could partner with that could understand the legacy that I'm trying to portray on screen and the memory I'm trying to leave behind. It was the perfect marriage. It was holy matrimony, not holy macaroni. (laughs) First off, I can hear all of that in in the man's voice. And secondly, it's like, I'm waiting for the perfect, like, movie company to partner with. My own. (laughs) Well, they're also partnering with Universal. Oh, okay. Okay, never mind then. No, I do actually. I am genuinely curious to see how this turns out. It's just, I I find its existence funny. And if they're getting the guy who, you know, like, was the head writer for the Black Panther movies, then then I'm expecting the writing to be at least coherent then. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Depends what the director does. And what the production company does. I would actually be very curious who the who the director ends up being. Like that. Would oh, be... it's Alan Hughes. What has he done? Not a lot. Okay, then. Then this should be a good time. <laughs> yeah, the he, he's part of a duo with his brother, Albert Hughes. And their filmography... Not huge... Oh boy. Alrighty, well, we'll see what the finished product looks like. They directed From Hell. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. I mean, what did they do to land there? Uh. Mm. Agree to make a Snoop Dogg biopic? <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Let's move from Universal to Paramount. Oh boy. Indeed. We've got. New dates for new animated movies in 2025. Okay. We're getting another SpongeBob movie, May 23rd, 2025. Okay. And an untitled movie that... Er, it. I hope this isn't the title, because it's just called Ang Avatar, <laughs> opening on October 10th, 2025. Like I said, hope that's a working title. Huh. 
I mean, I am all for more anything Avatar The Last Airbender, but for some reason not what I would have expected. Yeah, I kind of figured they'd branch out into other Avatars or something, you know? Yeah, no. Because Aang's story pretty much told pretty well, and then Korra happened. Is that just it, like, then Korra happened? I know, I say that because I'll I... level with you, man. I didn't pay that much attention to Korra. Okay, it's like, I kind of know what happens with Korra, but I actually have not sat down to watch it, like, completely. Like, I've seen a few episodes here and there, but nothing, like, all the way through. Petty as heck, but it bugged the crap out of me that in the first episode, she just busts in as a five-year-old bending three elements saying, I'm the Avatar, you all gotta deal with it. I was just like, nah, I'm good. I'm the Avatar, bitch! Sorry. Nah, it's fine. <laughs> that was my best Juggernaut impression. This does seem to fit with them wanting to do more with The Last Airbender, though, so... Mm, okay. And at least it's animated, which means not another M. Night Shyamalan movie. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm, again, I'm all for anything Avatar-related, but yeah, at this point, I would have figured they would have gone to, like, a new Avatar or covered at least one of the previous ones. Same. In worse Paramount news... Oh, boy. There's a copyright lawsuit over Top Gun Maverick, and a judge denied Paramount's motion to throw it out on Thursday. Seriously? Yes. Oh, God, I thought this was done with ages ago. Nope. Still oh. going. Alright. I... I mean, fair. I... Okay, I guess at this point now it's like, alright, so where does it go from there? <laughs> We'll find out. For those not in the know, Widow and Son of the author who wrote the 1983 magazine article, which Top Gun was originally based on, filed the case, arguing that Paramount had never bothered to renew the rights to the article about the Navy Fighter Weapons School for Top Gun Maverick. Paramount has countered that it didn't need the rights because the sequel has no resemblance, well, little resemblance to the article, and facts about the school are not subject to copyright protection. I mean, if there's a case, there's a case, but I still feel like it's just, just such a weird hill, hill to die on. All I can think of is the Futurama quote, You're not the president of it! <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So, like, I I haven't read the article in question that this is being based on, but I'm wondering, is like, okay, what is the nature of the article? Is it If it's just, like, a general article kind of going over the, the Navy Weapons School, then why does this matter? It's like it's Navy Weapons School. It's well, it's known by the general public. It'd be one thing if it was like based on the experience of like a particular pilot or a particular pair of pilots. That would be one thing. But even then, you'd think the rights would belong to the pilot whose story it is. Yeah. And not the person who wrote the article about them. Yeah. I didn't know. I see. I didn't know that. Honestly, I didn't know that magazine articles could be claimed as significant to emphasize intellectual property by the writer and not the magazine itself yeah that is a bit of a eye-opener ain't it yeah i mean it's probably it's probably that way for good reason i imagine but still i never knew that so i guess we'll see how this unfolds i find it a little bizarre that it didn't get thrown out but hey i'm not a lawyer or a judge so i guess we'll find out yeah in warner brothers news oh boy don't worry this is all mostly good, or at least <laughs> neutral. <laughs> Which is, unfortunately, such an improvement over the last several months of news from them. Yeah. Images of production gifts for filming having wrapped on 
the Godzilla vs. Kong sequel may have revealed the title. Oh boy. And apparently it's called Godzilla and Kong. I kinda hate that. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. It doesn't flow, does it? No, not at all. Sounds like Laurel and Hardy. Yeah. For me, it's... My immediate thought, the picture that popped up when hearing that, was a buddy cop movie of Godzilla and King Kong. It's like, no. <laughs> Abbott and Costello. <laughs> which like, one's the straight man and which one's the comic relief? I think Godzilla's the comic relief. Really? Not Kong, the actual monkey? Monkeys are always <laughs> funny. Well, it's kind of the thing, I don't know, because this is how my brain works. Godzilla's just walking around and accidentally irradiating people. It's like, ah, oh, people are being irradiated by my presence. That's funny, isn't it? <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait, did you see Godzilla vs. Kong? I I did not, no. I okay, am th- well, I'm thinking of classic Godzilla in that particular aspect. Well, Godzilla in these movies is basically the grumpy old man. So, mm. he's the straight man, and Kong's the one starting shit. Actually, no, that's not true. Godzilla was starting shit because he's kind of a racist grandpa, but... (laughs) Well, I feel like that kind of reinforces the whole thing of comic relief, because Godzilla would be the old man who's struggling to adjust himself to the new world. Maybe they're both straight men and it's a comedy of errors. Yeah, I could see that 100%. I could could see it being a comedy of errors, and the errors are caused by who they are as individuals. Like, you know, giant monkey and, like, laser-spitting demon monster (laughs) yeah like they're both taking things seriously but godzilla is comically flustered by kong's newfangled slang (laughs) and at a certain point he gets pissed off and he just goes shut up and accidentally takes out like seven buildings it's like but he needs kong's help to work the roku (laughs) kong just looks at it and looks back at godzilla and goes you made me do that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Boomer Godzilla. <laughs> I'm just imagining him with a fishing hat and a tackle. <laughs> Kong, where's my bait? <laughs> oh. Meanwhile, oh. Kong's just driving by in a giant car. <laughs> With massively upgraded hydraulics. Oh, I there would have to be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I've spun into this madness. She is just like, thank you for carrying on my random ass idea, like much further than I had even thought of. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Mm. So Zaslav held a virtual town hall for Warner Brothers Discovery. Oh boy, which included James Gunn and Peter Safran. It's, I imagine there was someone out there who said, like, release the Batgirl movie, please. No, that didn't come up, apparently. Or at least nobody's mentioned it. Unfortunate. However, Gunn did have something cool to say. And by mm-hmm. cool, I mean terrifying. <laughs> oh, no. The opportunity to make DC as great as it can be and as it should be, that is the reason why I'm doing this job, because I know that Peter and I can do that. We spent the past couple days with a group of some of the best thinkers in the industry, the best writers in the industry, starting to map out that 8-10 to year plan of what it's going to look like in theater, in TV, in animation, across the board for these characters. Why are they sticking to this timeline? Right? It's like, on the one hand, if anybody could do it, I feel like Gunn is a contender. Yeah. But on the flip side, 
Making these elaborate 8-10 to year plans is what has doomed most cinematic universes before you, because all it takes is one domino to fall out of place. See Ezra Miller. (laughs) That's not a domino, that's the whole structure. (laughs) That's the dominoes are leading up to an elaborate house of cards and Ezra Miller just storms through having a temper tantrum. But no, that's... <laughs> that's kind of my thing with this whole sticking to this, like, it's going to be 8 to 10 years. Like, don't say that. Granted, it also bugs me being a motorsport fan because there are teams, some of the teams I follow are like, we'll be championship contenders in four years and in five years past. Like, give us a couple more. It's like, or you just shut the fuck up and just work on things and put it out when it's ready. Yeah, like, and you know why they're doing it? They're doing it because shareholders and studio executives demand plans. They want to feel like there's a structure in place, but the problem is that structure is antithetical to making good movies. Yeah, no. I am... Stop with these like these unnecessary timelines. You're only hurting yourself, if anything. You remember how we were supposed to get a cyborg movie two fucking years ago? <laughs> Yeah, I forgot Shows you where that. the best laid plans end up. Yeah, I complete. I honestly j- totally forgot about that. <laughs> we were supposed to have a Justice League sequel three years ago, I think. Mm. Jesus. Uh, what an absolutely... It's just, oh, looking at that slate, and looking at, hell, just looking at everything that got announced afterward that Zaslav then proceeded to just zazz all over. <laughs> oh, that came out terribly. <laughs> that I don't came like out that real all. bad. <laughs> I don't like that at all. <laughs> oh, that was unpleasant. Yeah, very. Ugh. Huh. James Gunn has also put out on Twitter, "Hey, what do you guys want to see? Let us know." And I have yet to, I have yet to send in any responses because honestly, I'm not sure I trust DC with any of them, but. Oh, I'd kill for a good question project. I mean, I would if I'd used Twitter, I would probably just immediately say the Batgirl movie. I mean, that too. But that's yeah. probably not happening. Mm. Sad as it is. I don't know, Condiment King or something? like. <laughs> I mean, we're getting a Kite Man spinoff of Harley Quinn. Oh, that's right. That's true. Hell yeah! <laughs> I'm very excited for that. Oh yeah, me, me as well. Uh, what else? I mean, uh, I don't want to be contributing to the oversaturation of Bat movies, but I really want a movie where Batman's mostly got his shit together and the Bat family exists. Because we're never going to get that if you insist on building up to it. Because yeah, no. it's too big. I will say, when the Batman was coming out, I remember you you know, complaining about how it's always like early Batman or late Batman with these movies. I was like, okay, that particular aspect... Of never seeing things where like kind of all gathered together and whatnot, and everything is like smooth. That is definitely the one part of that that I agree with. Yeah, sometimes I have a good idea. Sometimes I'm not just crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it's rare, but it happens. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess a Justice League Dark movie would be nice. Oh wait, they can that. Oh, I think they canned it. Now I don't remember. God, I can't keep track of what's still happening and what's not. It's all part of that 
eight to ten year plan they're gonna regret that <laughs> green lantern green lantern really green lantern movie. okay yeah green lantern I also on i would also be go for green lantern the hawks but not the one from black adam he sucks mm. nothing against the actor it's mostly the character yeah <laughs> that's completely fair uh who else who else would i really want to see yo a titans movie oh like live action titans yeah yeah no or any of the individual members could probably carry a movie, for all I care. Mm-hmm. Hell, build up to that. Do that. That'd be mm-hmm. neat. That'd be swell. That'd be something. I don't know. Can you tell I'm more familiar with Marvel than I am with DC? <laughs> Yo, how could I forget Plastic Man? Who's Plastic Man? You don't know about Plastic Man? No. Bro, Plastic Man is one of the most OP heroes in DC Comics. Really? Yes. He's basically unkillable and can shapeshift into almost anything. Oh. That's... I feel like that makes writers' jobs harder. <laughs> that's He's one, one of the... Batman's contingency plans for if Martian Manhunter turns evil. That's how OP he is. Really? Yes. <laughs> okay, then. The only ways to beat him are set him on fire or freeze him, and even that will only inconvenience him. And he's a total fucking goofball. Really? He's basically a Looney Tunes character. Ah, <laughs> oh, he's one of the best. How could I have forgotten? Mm-hmm. All right, enough petitioning James Gunn because he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> Got a little bit of Marvel news. Oh, boy. Yeah, Variety has confirmed that Ryan Coogler is developing multiple series set within Wakanda for Disney+. Plus. Okay. And Kevin Feige has mentioned that he's had conversations with the director about potentially helming a third film. Oh, like the third Black Panther film? Yeah. Hmm. Which, we're we're getting one almost certainly. The only yeah. question is, who's directing it? Because Ryan Coogler did mention that for him, a lot of working on this movie was about also working with his own grief at the loss of Chadwick Boseman, and it took a lot out of him, so... Yeah, I don't see him returning to the helm in that particular regard. At least not anytime soon. Which, on the upside, Marvel and Disney have a bunch of other things they can do instead, so if they want to take their time on this sequel since it hasn't already been greenlit, go ahead, by all means, because Ryan Coogler's really good at this. Mm -hmm. But if he also needs to step away, then of course, because he he knew Bozeman better than any of us, obviously, so so of course it would have hit him harder. Yeah, yeah, that's... You can definitely tell that, and we'll, we'll t- I imagine we'll talk more about it, but with this movie, there's definitely a very obvious emotional strain for the people who made it. And a, a very understand- a stun- understandable one as well. Of course. So I wonder, multiple series, that's interesting. Could it be something where, ta- where we're focusing on like certain individuals that make up Wakanda? I imagine so. The Dora Milaje could probably get their own show. Mbaku could obviously carry his own. Oh, 100%. Maybe even if you could get Daniel Kaluuya back, maybe a Wakabi one. But then again, he's presumably in jail or something, or maybe dead, I don't know. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Because remember, he turned on T'Challa and sided with Killmonger. Oh, I thought you meant meant the actor himself. (laughs) No! I got, I got very confused. It's like, what? My God. What, what happened to him? 
No, uh, definitely not. So, shall we get into trailers? Uh, might as well. Alright, what do you want to talk about first? Because there's, no there's no wrong answers. I don't know. For me, Devotion, and like with all of the other trailers that we've seen for it, I just look at it and go like, yep, that is a Greg movie if there ever was one. <laughs> I feel like this trailer didn't really give us anything we hadn't seen. No, it did. It absolutely did not. I think there were like a couple like small scenes that we haven't seen in the previous trailers, but nothing that really like adds or takes away from anything. So, I mean, I... I still want to see it. It's a historical military aviation movie. It doesn't get much better than that for me, honestly. I'll go see it just for Jonathan Majors and Hangman, whose name mm. I forget, and his extremely punchable face. <laughs> you, just, <laughs> you just want to deck him, you know? You just want to take a swing. He would be the person to do a snow cosplay from final fantasy 13 uh, <laughs> i don't get it but i'll take your word for it i uh, long story short i started playing the game i haven't interacted with the character snow yet but from what i've seen of him like just in a quiet intro video i go i went i already want to punch him in the face uh, <laughs> yeah those two are definitely like, oh the hell yeah no that's that's perfect <laughs> it's like cypher from final fantasy 8 oh did you look it up I did. Nice. I mean, I am. Those two are definitely like the ones I'm most interested in because they are very much the the appeal for the movie as far as like actors go. Also, their commanding officer is one of the main characters in HBO's The Newsroom. Get out. Yeah, no, it was actually. God, I'm blanking on his name, and I feel bad for that because The Newsroom is actually a really good show. I've seen bits and pieces. Yeah, I've only seen like a couple episodes. But from the little bit I've seen, including like also various clips, it's it's looks really cool. I just want to make sure I'm thinking of the right show. That was the one that had Olivia Munn in it, right? Uh, yes. Okay, I am thinking of the right show. Cool. Yes. And with that, Thomas Sadowski. Okay. Yeah, he's the he's the I, I'm assuming based on how they framed him in the mo in the trailers, like he's their commanding officer. It's like, oh, cool. That's it's cool to see Don as in this movie. <laughs> There's something to be said for that endorphin rush you get from I recognize that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's Ezra Miller throwing a tantrum because they didn't get their speed force gummies. It's like I recognize that that person, and I really wish I didn't. Oh my God, he was in John Wick. Really, as who? He's Jimmy! He's Jimmy the cop? <laughs> He's Jimmy the cop! <laughs> it's like, okay, I that's even better, because it's like, yeah, he's the smartest person in all of John Wick. <laughs> that's phenomenal. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I already wanted to see this movie. This hasn't changed that, partly because there wasn't much to change my mind on that, so looking forward to it. Alrighty. Is there anything... I don't think there's anything coming out that same week. But even if there was, mm -hmm. this is probably going to win. Oh. Oh, what is it? Strange World. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Probably, probably... Wait, is it not? Oh, is it coming out before... What? When is the release date for Strange World, then? I mean, I do want to see Strange Rope if it's the same weekend. Devotion. Oh, it's coming wins. out the day before. Okay. Okay. For me, Devotion still wins, although I do want to see Strange World. Yeah, you know what? Devotion probably takes it for me, too, just based on the actors and 
that's also the week that I'm going to have to push to see Knives Out, so... Oh, that's oh, that's going to be a tough week, then. That's going to be hard to pull. Mm-hmm. But I'm determined to make it work. <sighs> I do have an extra day off, so of course I'm not going to be able to get anything done that day, but... Hmm. Anyways. Christmas Bloody Christmas? What the fuck is this? <laughs> okay. You remember what? how... <laughs> mm. When I found out that Violent Night was a thing, having not seen the trailer or read the synopsis, only knowing it starred David Harbour as a violent Santa, yeah, I was very unenthused. Right. I, I was under the impression, oh, here we go, another killer Santa slasher movie, probably. How cliche. And then I was very pleasantly surprised by the fact that it was not that at all, and actually a, a cool take on the violent Santa concept. Christmas Bloody Christmas is basically what I thought Violent Night was going to be. <laughs> part of my brain went realizing how stupid it was to think it because of the time difference on it, but part of me was thinking, is like, oh god, did they make this because of Violent Night? <laughs> You'd be surprised. It's not uncommon for studios to get wind of somebody having an idea and then them trying to do their own spin on it that's distinct enough that it's not actually, you know, copyright actionable or whatever, but... Case in point, Bugs Life and Ants. Fair. The fucking robot knows how to drive an ambulance and has laser eyes. I... <laughs> Why would you give a Santa laser eyes? I. It's like, at a certain point, I was like, okay, someone needs to actually execute the person who came up with this. They are literally... The person who designed this robot, especially whoever made it this smart, is legitimately a danger to society. <laughs> if this is also, the, the end camera result. quality was garbage. This is very B-movie when it comes to the camera quality and whatnot. I'm mostly just happy to know that all's right with the world, and for every original idea, you will get a trite, hackneyed <laughs> B-movie version of it. Yeah. That's being unnecessarily mean, but I will not apologize. No, I mean, again, it's not, for me personally, that level of vitriol. That was my thought when this trailer, like, really got going. And it's like, okay, so this was made in response to Violent Night. You know like, the craziest thing? It's not even vitriol for me. It's actual, genuine relief. Fair. <laughs> at reinforcement of a pattern. <laughs> ah, yes, the system continues to function as expected. Always within normal parameters. Here's your killer Santa movie. If I do see this movie, and I might not, it's one of those things where, from what was shown in the trailer, I feel like it's one of those movies where either I won't enjoy it or become pissed off at it because it kind of seems to be doing the thing, the Hellboy thing of gore for the sake of it. That one kid got fucked up. That one kid got fucked up, and it was, and also the bit where. What did it in for me was the bit where the robot steps on the dude's head, and I have to give props to whoever edited this trailer for keeping that in and not having the trailer red labeled. But yeah. that bit in particular made me go, "Okay, actually, fuck off, movie." <laughs> None of that. Yeah, it's I. I feel like my levels of gore when it comes to stuff like that is uncomfortableness, disgust. And then, shut the fuck up, movie. <laughs> Fair. Uh, yeah, I'll be curious to see like how that gets responded to. Well, it's on Shudder, which I have, so... Mm, fair. Apparently it's also getting a small theatrical release, I think. But if mm. not, I'll check it out on Shudder and let you know. 
Alrighty. We also got a very short trailer for A24's The Whale, starring Brendan Fraser. This trailer made me sad. Yeah. I have no idea what's going on, but it made me feel sad just watching it. <laughs> well, Brendan Fraser is playing a very large man trying to reconnect with his daughter. Oh, I think I remember you talking about this at one point. Yeah, this is the one that got a six-minute standing ovation at... I think it was at Kane? Mm. Okay. No, it was the Venice International Film Festival. That was it. Okay, I mean, it's this is definitely a, a moving movie, that's for sure. This is a movie that I can tell, like, if you have a soul, it, it'll tug at it. Definitely, especially because there's some real-life resonance with Brendan Fraser's actual comeback. Mm-hmm. Which, good for him. Oh yeah, very very much so. Really glad to see him again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one looks interesting. This is one of those weird ones where I can tell this is a very significant movie, and I should want to immediately go see it for that, but doesn't quite grab me enough. It's kind of like... It doesn't feel like there's going to necessarily be anything to offset the emotional exhaustion that's going to come with watching it? We'll go with that. Oh, because that's what it is for me. Sorry, didn't mean no. That. No, but that's that's good enough, honestly. For me, what I was thinking of are like those, because again, it's how my brain works, those games that... You, you know are objectively good games or there's a lot of things in it that make it a wonderful game but it just doesn't pull you personally that's yeah, kinda, yeah 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 that's kind of how i felt watching the trailer for this and that by it's also like maybe a bit sack is like i should like looking at it, i was like i feel like i should be eager to see this but from this little bit not really but I recognize that it's definitely going to be good in quality. Yeah, hopefully future trailers will give us a little bit more to go off of. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, if nothing else, I want to see it just to help support Brendan Fraser's comeback. Oh, yeah, if they l- just leave this trailer and put the movie out, I would probably go see it for that same reason as well. Which just leaves John Wick Chapter 4. I, I'm going to go see it. John Wick is too good of a time to not like immediately go and see it. However, I feel like this didn't do a lot for me either. The only real action thing I remember being surprised by was him jumping out that window. Oh yeah, same. And I just thought, he's dead! Yeah, he's very dead. But then again, he got shot and fell off of the Continental, so... True. It seems like, I mean, all the John Wick movies kind of do this to a certain extent, but one thing I definitely will take away from the trailer is that the villains in the trailer, for once charismatic in a good way kind of the thing of okay these these aren't even just like evil people these are bad guys but they actually seem to be kind of cool and interesting people based on the little bits we've seen of them especially at the end of the trailer where it's john wick talking with the other gentlemen you know about like their life and everything and how they gave up the right to have a peaceful life long ago and it's like this actually seems like a compelling antagonist so i'm very curious to see how that gets handled Especially the fact that John calls him friend, which either implies some connection or some kind of at least mutual respect. Yeah. And or maybe it's just him being facetious, who knows. Yeah. Also, seemingly this dude who has the sword fight wit is also blind. I'm very curious to see how that plays out. <laughs> well, it's Donnie Yen, so... Mm. I think it's Donnie Yen. I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be Donnie Yen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. It's hard to tell as people get older. Yeah, just a little bit, but... Which is dumb, because I should be able to recognize the passage of time, but, yeah, what can I say? (laughs) I'm mostly confused as to what the exact plot of this is going to be. Like, is most of the movie him fighting guys until he finds out about this Pistols at Dawn thing or whatever it is? Or is it 
he finds out about pistols at dawn and then has to survive until dawn because the high table sends more assassins at him, hoping that he'll be killed or captured so he doesn't show up for the challenge. Yeah, that part kind of let me a little bit confused as well. Because initially I'm thinking it's like, oh, okay, so he just has to have a duel with this guy and if he lives, he survives. And it's like, okay, so why is there this long period of time and why are we sending people after him to kill him? I would hope that if this is all going on, then that means that we're going to hear more about that organization. Because for me, with John Wick 3, it's one thing if we're sending people after him because he broke the rules and with that... He needs to die for it. That I get. But it's another thing if there's an established way of fixing it and they're still sending people after him for him to die. It's like, okay, now it sounds a lot more personal. Well, no, the last two movies just highlighted that the high table is corrupt and doesn't actually follow their own rules or violates the spirit. Because remember, they actively punished the Bowery King for helping John Wick before he was excommunicado. Hmm. True. So, yeah, they're a bunch of pricks. Mm, fair enough. In any case, definitely looking forward to this one, March 24th, 2023. March is shaping up to be good. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting things coming out in March, so it should be a good time to watch some stuff. Yeah, we're getting that. We're getting Creed 3, which means I'm going to have to watch the first two Creeds. <laughs> Same. <laughs> because now I actively want to. Shazam! Oh, that's March? Yeah. Oh, okay. Now that they moved it so it no longer has to die against Avatar. <laughs> Hell, Dungeons and Dragons comes out at the tail end of the month. That's right, I forgot about that. And Scream 6, if you're into that shit. I can't say that I am. <laughs> Fair. With that wrapping up trailer time, let's talk box office. Da, 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 da. We did in fact see the highest grossing movie domestically and worldwide. I think. As I say, I'd be shocked if that wasn't the case. <laughs> of this weekend, because mm. we saw Black Panther Wakanda Forever. It took mm. in $181.3 million domestically for $331 million worldwide. Of note, this is the highest opening for a November movie, second highest opening of 2022, just behind Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And I think it's only around... Less than 20 million shy, or somewhere around 20 million shy, of what the original did. Which, considering no Russia, no China... Oh wait, that's domestic. Never mind. But considering the state of things, in general, domestically, not a surprise at all. Mm -hmm. As well as what they had to work around with, you know, the actual star of the franchise just dying. Yeah. Also interesting to note, not that it's a competition or anything, but I'm making it one... <laughs> Wakanda is... <laughs> Forever managed to pull down just 20 million shy of Black Adam's current total in one weekend. I mean, I'm not trying to encourage it, but for the big wigs who, like, greenlight these things and do all the business decisions, it is absolutely a damn competition. <laughs> it's like, th this. Mm -hmm. The hierarchy of power in the DC Universe is exactly where it's always been. Mm. Black Adam took a very, 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 very distant second. Oh, boy. You want to guess how much it made domestically this weekend? Okay, so just to recap, um, Wakanda Forever took in, what, $170 million domestically? $181 million. I'm going to guess a tenth of that. So you want to guess $18 million? Yes. You're off by $10 million. <laughs> Which direction? 
<laughs> you were overly generous by ten million. Holy hell! <laughs> it took in eight million domestically this weekend for a one hundred fifty point five million dollar domestic total and three hundred fifty one point five million dollars worldwide. With Wakanda Forever now in box office and Avatar two bringing up the rear next month, the odds are Black Adam is done dominating. Yeah, I, I mean it's probably not all the money it's going to make, but it's not going to get any better than this. The days of going unchallenged are over. Mm. I will say to The Rock's credit, he's very good sport about it, congratulating the movie. Oh, yeah. Which, I will admit, flies in the face of my conspiracy theory about The Rock being a massive dick. (laughs) (laughs) But like any good conspiracy theorist, I will stand by this even in the face of contradictory... That's... That's it's, like, it's like it doesn't feel good saying that, does it? <laughs> that's, that's gross and depressing. Uh, I reject my statement. And substitute it with my own. <laughs> Third place, Ticket to Paradise, which took in $5.9 million domestically for a $56.3 million domestic total and $149.9 million worldwide. Jesus Christ, that movie is still holding on. Wait till you hear what hit fourth place. Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> no, actually, but it's another name that I had not thought I would hear for a long, long time, and it's Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Seriously? <laughs> at $3.2 million domestic, it is now sitting at $40.8 million domestically for a $72.6 million worldwide total. And in fifth place, Smile at $2.3 million domestic for a $102.7 million domestic total and $209.9 million worldwide. Okay, the smile is also one that I'm surprised is still holding it down. Right? Mm. Nutty. Granted, $2.3 million isn't a lot, but it's That's... still top five, so... Yeah. All right, I then. would also like to point out, since I've been comparing box offices and budgets and what have you, Black Panther Wakanda Forever's opening is impressive, but apparently the movie's budget is $250 million. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's obscene, but... Considering that they were filming during the pandemic and had to deal with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not to mention script rewrites once Chadwick Boseman died. Yeah, no, so... Yeah, that $250 million definitely sounds about right in all honesty. Right. It does mean the movie's gonna have to hit 500 mil to be actually profitable, which I don't think will be a huge problem, because all it needs to do is, even if it has a 69% drop, worldwide that's still that's yeah, math i don't feel like doing but that's still a good chunk of change it would at least put them at like i want to say at like four eight if yeah. i like doing some very quick head math i think you're right so yeah hmm. shall we talk about the movie itself sure all right so this weekend we did in fact see black panther wakanda forever it was very sad it was very sad. It was very dark as well. Not just in terms of lighting, although also in terms of lighting. <laughs> Do you want to give, I don't know, as much of a basic rundown as you can with the movie? So, the king is dead. Long live, Long the, king. live the king. <laughs> but no, actually, T'Challa has died, and Wakanda is reeling in his absence, trying to figure out what to do, where to go, how to handle his commitment to opening up Wakanda to the rest of the world, and a world that sees them as vulnerable and open to attack. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, they have to contend with a new mysterious nation. They've been Wakanda'd, you see, 
There's <laughs> another nation pretending it doesn't exist and is not what it appears to be. The mysterious Talakan, led by Namor, the Submariner. Not that he's called the Submariner, but he is called Namor. Actually, he calls himself Namor, and then everybody insists on mispronouncing it, which is kind of gross, but... <laughs> Anyways. It's a very good movie. It was a very good movie. God, this is one of those weird ones where, like... So for me personally, because this is also... One of the things to keep in mind with this movie, if you do go see it, and you should absolutely see it, it is also a bit of a setup movie. Because we're setting up like a few different characters and from what I understand a few different threads for a couple other projects down the road. Personally for me, I knew that going in so I didn't have any particular expectations with it. Other than like some kind of respectful reminiscing for Chadwick Boseman and there was definitely plenty of that in the movie. This is one of those weird ones where I enjoyed it, I highly recommend it, but I honestly don't have anything specific to say about it. And that's not, and it's like nothing against the movie. I think it's just because I wasn't going in expecting or not expecting anything in specifically. Hmm. I've got quite a bit to say. A lot of it's spoilery and we'll have to wait. But one thing I can say, funny enough, I actually just saw it again today. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because I needed to catch some stuff that I missed because the audience we saw it with opening night was fucking awful. It was pretty awful. And by that I mean one particular subset of the audience was awful. Yeah. It, like, know yourself, folks, just as general advice, know yourself and know that the people, and know the people that you're going to see a movie with in your group, because if you don't think they're capable of being respectful, don't take them to a goddamn theater. And that's coming from a guy who goes to see movies with me. You know there's a problem. Yeah, no, it was it was obnoxious to say the absolute least. Fortunately, they left pretty early in, but they still managed to trample all over a couple of scenes. Yeah. In any case, one thing that really stuck out to me, especially on a second viewing, is the soundtrack is kind of haunting. Yeah, for the first movie, with the definitely with with the help of one Kendrick Lamar. With the first movie, the soundtrack was definitely a lot more, I guess, active, for lack of a better word. This one was definitely a lot more haunting. It was a somber, lot, a lot more somber, definitely a lot more dark in terms of overall tone for certain things. Some um, very good uses of silence. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much so. Like, I feel like, I feel like as far as, like, usage of music, this one... It's probably one of the lower like usages when it comes to Marvel, but they still do a very wonderful job of of like using it where it counts. Yeah, and some of the some of it's still very grandiose. Some of the Wakanda sweeping shots are accompanied with all the majesty and pomp that you would expect. Yeah, and it's still very nice to see, but it's all tinged with that melancholic reminder that. T'Challa's not there anymore. Yeah. Everybody really carries this movie in terms of, like, the the whole Wakandan cast carries it in terms of how they're managing their grief mm-hmm. and how they're managing their uncertainty of what to do. Angela Bassett just takes it away. Oh, yeah. No, there's... We see different facets of, of grief and how different people handle it in the movie, and it's very human. But more importantly than that, with every single person who is grieving, 
you can't look at one of them and say, I don't understand why you're acting this way. Like, even for a couple people who kind of take it up to 11 to see the absolute least, it's like, yeah, I can see how you got here. <laughs> some people make some really bad calls in this movie, but mm -hmm. it's still grounded in that real sense of loss. Yeah. And I will say, as somebody who is skeptical of the decision not to recast, I get it. Mm-hmm. And I see this approach, and while I still don't agree with it, I do think this worked out better than I ever could have hoped. Yeah. I say that realizing that that sounds like an absolutely asshole thing to say, considering it concerns the death of an actual human being, but I hope it is understood that I mean salvaging this movie from that horrific, tragic circumstance is nothing short of amazing. Yeah. And actually managing to empower it with that sense of emotion and real loss is tremendous it's yeah. a great accomplishment yeah it was kind of one of those things where i not that i was expecting them to do it or even had the thought but they don't do the whole fast and furious thing after paul walker pass of like just referencing him every now and again but he's still alive in the funeral no or alive in the in the world of fast and furious um and this it is a thing of like no like he is he is gone he is fully gone and dead do, not gone yeah well, we're dead, thank you. And they do, in terms of, like, the movie's universe and setup and whatever, a very good job of doing a send-off for that. And, you know, that that is moving in, in of its own right. And But more than anything than that, it was very well executed. So for me, it's like the whole thing of, like, not recasting. It's, yeah, for what they did and for how they, like, set everything up, I feel like that overall was probably the right decision. Probably the easier decision, too, in terms of resource usage and writing and whatnot. Mm, definitely in terms of not having to scramble to find an actor who could replicate that same air, but also not feel like a cheap imitator. Yeah, which But is... in terms of writing, I guarantee that was not the easier option. Fair enough. Like, I don't know. I am not an expert in that particular field, nor do I... I know I've said this about Star Wars stuff, but when it comes to anything Marvel or anything like just big franchise, the people I absolutely do not envy in the slightest are the people whose job it is to write these things. <laughs> yeah. I will say it was refreshing to have a movie where it's not devoid of humor, but the humor feels much more understated. Mm -hmm. There are still some jokes in this movie, but even seeing it in a mostly empty theater this afternoon, none of them got a roaring bit of laughter from me. It was just kind of a... <laughs> <laughs> but that's to its advantage, I think, because oh, yeah. in the wake of some of the sillier stuff, like, and I'm not saying this is all bad, but in the wake of Miss Marvel and She-Hulk and the Guardians Holiday Special coming up and Thor Love and Thunder, it's really good to get something that's a little more... Serious, I guess? Yeah, I was thinking that as well. I think Doctor Strange like, is okay with it as well. Like, the, the, the one that just came out this year. But it's been a while, I feel like, since we've gotten a Marvel movie that, from start to finish, even with all, like, the usual, like, jokes and, like, everything else, actually, like, as a whole thing, takes itself seriously the entire way. So it was kind of nice to see that again. Obviously, you don't want too much of that, because then it kind of 
that gets stale in a different way later on. It just makes the whole thing feel dour and joyless and unfun, and why would you want to watch a non-stop procession of superhero movies that are exactly like that, DC? <laughs> True. But it was cool to have, not only for it to be serious, but for the entire package to be serious in a completely coherent manner for the two and a half hours plus that you're there. Exactly. It's not, I still think, I think the first movie is better, the opening is clunky, the ending is clunky, mm -hmm. and honestly, I felt like a lot of the setup was kind of clunky for other projects, mm -hmm. or at least some more than others. Yeah, I would say... I wasn't expecting to like Ironheart as much as I did. Ironheart was pretty, Riri was pretty great. <laughs> Which is great, because in the comics, she's not. Yeah, you've told me she's kind of an insufferable shit in the comics. <laughs> yeah. Here, on the other hand, no notes. Okay, some notes, but what can you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was it was enjoyable to see her. One thing that I, I kind of enjoyed is that even with her genius and elect, they at least do what they can to keep her like whole thing like relatively grounded. Especially when they establish like looking over certain aspects of how she builds things. It's like, okay, some of this is still realistic. Especially, like, if you're... Because ultimately, as smart as she is, she still is, like, a college student. So, you know, doesn't exactly have access to a million and one different things. I'm surprised none of her devices had ramen cups in them. <laughs> you know what? Now that you mention it, that is kind of a missed opportunity. <laughs> because it, I'm glad I, they didn't, but I think that would have been really funny. Yeah, it's it's it would have been one of those things where... You, you'd you see it and be like, okay, they understand, cause, especially because the people who made this movie probably went through that time as well. It, it, it's I feel like that would be something where it draws you out a little bit. Like, it takes you out of the whole thing a little bit, but it'd still be like, yeah, but that's still the college life, so... <laughs> yeah. Should we move into spoilers, do you think? I think so. Alright. So if you don't want to be spoiled on Black Panther Wakanda Forever, be sure to click away now, or rather, in three... Two, one, spoiler time. So what would you like to start with? Might as well start at the start. Okay. I am really not a fan of the exact details of how they killed T'Challa off. Hmm. I understand that him needing the synthetic heart-shaped herb is there so Shuri can feel responsible for the death and so that guilt can factor into a big part of why she's grieving the way that she is but it raises so many questions mm -hmm. because he already had the heart-shaped herb in him what makes this synthetic one so important if it's because the disease was caused by repeated exposure to the natural heart-shaped herb and a synthetic one would be able to help cleanse those irregularities cool establish that but if it's something mundane then just say it's something mundane. Yeah, they were kind of, they kind of dance around the whole thing of what takes him out. They just say it's kind of leave it at T'Challa. It's been announced that T'Challa has died due to a mysterious previous illness. And I have the feeling they were trying to, with everything that's happened especially, and with how sudden Chadwick Boseman's death was, it was kind of a thing of like, I feel like they were trying to do the whole thing of let the audience draw like their own potential conclusions but the problem is that there's still not a lot of closure with that 
Yeah. Um, at least for me, that's that's how I felt with it. And again, conflating the his death with the need for a synthetic heart-shaped herb just doesn't really work. I think it was you who said this, but it was a thing, or at least mentioned it, but one of the things that's being shown like in the first bit when Shuri's trying to create this synthetic heart-shaped herb is that the margin of error between like what she's making and what would actually like help based on Chichala's DNA is catastrophic. And it is kind of a thing of like, if it's down to the herb and he still has like the powers of the Black Panther within him, draw from his blood maybe? I don't know. Yeah. That whole sequence is just confusing in how it's set up. Yeah. And I understand the thematic resonance they're going for and the character arc they're trying to set up with it, but it's just it's just kind of clumsy. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work from a internal mechanic perspective. Yeah. You know in the comics the Wakandans just have the cure for cancer sitting around? Yeah, actually that was kind of a thing that I thought about after we left that really like kind of grinded my gears a little bit not that specifically but it is a thing of okay no but this is actually wakanda because initially i was thinking with the whole audience trying their whole conclusions everything my brain went to covid but then it's like no this is wakanda an extremely technologically and medically advanced isolated secret nation there's no way he got covid there's no fucking way he got covid and if for somehow he did there's no way that it would kill him like Unless in, he got it from Steve and it's super soldier COVID. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of the bit that made me go, it's like, no, it's not COVID, it's Wakanda. Wait, it's fucking Wakanda! Why is this even happening? <laughs> no, see, I like the idea that for as advanced as Wakanda is, they don't have all the answers, and that's honestly why I think a mundane disease might have worked a little bit better. Like, mm-hmm. if it was cancer, just hammering in this is a difficult thing it's not a one-size-fits-all thing yeah but that would require them to actually commit to what it was true i feel like we didn't get enough mbaku in this no we did not he's well used for when he's there yeah he very much did his thing like he did in the last movie of you know just stealing the show when he's there there's a lot of small bits my favorite of which being, like, later in the movie, he is he gets to a point where he's actually asking Shuri for advice while also trying to kind of tell her, it's like, I understand how you feel, but maybe the route you're going down of basically causing war might not be the greatest option. And that's coming from the guy who basically leads the war tribe in Wakanda. That was a very, a very cool and very, like, moving scene that he just kind of stole the whole scene there. You know, he apparently improvised calling Okoye a bald-headed demon. (laughs) I love Winston Duke. That's pretty great. (laughs) That's pretty great. Um... I understand he was probably downplayed because he is, on the whole, a largely irreverent character, and therefore, you don't want to take that away, but you also can't have too much of that. Yeah, no. Because when he steps up, it doesn't feel jarring, but it also feels like... When he sees Namor and goes, the fish man, that also (laughs) feels like M'Baku. 
Yeah. And you don't want to downplay that too much, but too much of that and you ruin the somber tone. Yeah, no. But yeah, he he was great. He still from the very few bits that he was in um he stole the show. Oh god, why am I blanking on her name? T'Challa's mother. Ramonda. Ramonda. She she was great. And yeah. yeah, and the two things that like really did it in for me for her were like when she's talking to the council and just going as like I lead the most powerful nation that the world has ever seen and we have the mo- the strongest military the world has ever seen yet I have literally lost everything that I care about and you expect me to be level-headed like like paraphrasing but that's basically what she says it's like yeah I <laughs> I have a very very difficult time arguing against that and she is like completely justified in just lashing out in that way just that um, like just completely like stole the show. I liked how I don't know if this was ever shown in the first movie because I don't remember like too much of that. But there was something about showing like her without wigs or normal like royal attire and just the white hair, which just like really set in like just how much of a ringer she's been put through. Yeah. So that was cool. Also, this is kind of one like the minor things that I thought of, but it's but the whole bit in the beginning where they fight off against the mercenaries that are trying to steal, like, um, Wakanda Vibranium, and it turns out they're mercenaries hired by the French government. I couldn't help but go, it's like, I have a feeling that France isn't gonna be cool with that. <laughs> I mean, That's... what are they gonna do? They got caught red-handed. Yeah, no, it's it's just one of those things where it's like, when they said it's like, it was, we have evidence of it being a member nation, it's like, okay, they're not actually going to say which nation. Oh god, they actually called out France. Well, France in this universe. I would hope that there's no inspiration from something France has done recently, that especially one that I don't know about. But it was one of those things where, I don't know, for me it was like, okay, that's kind of funny. And it's also one of those things that a lot of movies usually don't try and do. Just because, I guess, some of them are afraid of real world consequences. Yeah, there's a lot of calling out the United States, and yet the United mm-hmm. States is one of the more justified people here based on what they know. Because at least, okay, it comes down to it comes down to United States and France, and the United States ended up not actually hiring mercenaries. So, <laughs> yeah, but they're still profoundly established to be bastards. Oh yeah, Val, who I did not expect to see here. Yeah, I I did not expect to see her, and I did not recognize her at all with the hair that she's got going. <laughs> her her and Ross's segment is the segment that I feel like is the more clunky setup. It was especially the bit where she where like as they're leaving the crime scene, it's like, oh, by the way, I feel like I need to have a conversation, like apologizing for things I said while I was your wife, and I'm just like, where the actual who talks like that? Yeah, and it's like, where did that come from? And who like saw that and thought, yes. That's good. That's going to be in the final cut of the movie. <laughs> and I know part of it's just to throw him off his game because she's already onto him from Go, but it's still weird. It's still really weird. Hop on your Peloton. <laughs> I was surprised that the movie had the balls to kill to kill the queen. Yeah. I was genuinely not expecting that. Like, I thought it was going to be the whole thing. Like, oh, she's unconscious after saving Riri. And then they're like trying to resuscitate her. It's like... Are they actually going to kill her? Holy shit! And then shit. they did. It's like, holy hell, they killed her. Oh, God almighty. <laughs> you know something crazy? 
Mm-hmm. We've gone this whole time so far, and we haven't said a damn thing about Namor. Yeah, we haven't. And he's good. He's really good. And at being an asshole. At being a massive asshole. The movie does a much better job than the trailers could have ever had of actually making him intimidating. At least for me. Like, you know, it's not like I was scared whenever he showed up, because ultimately we're talking about a dude with wings on his feet. And a but, green speedo. And a green speedo. Well, okay, but, green shorts, but, <laughs> but they're for very the, breezy. Yes. But for the bits that he did, sh- that were like he was first introduced, especially, you definitely felt his presence. Just shows up swinging a helicopter around. Yeah. Or even like when he first meets like, Shuri and whatnot, and Shuri and, oh god. Rwanda. Rwanda, th- Rwanda, thank you. <laughs> 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 Can you tell that it's late for me? <laughs> Oh, man. Shuri and Ramonda are looking at him, and Ramonda's going, he's like, there's no vibranium outside of Wakanda, and Shuri is going, he's covered in it. Like, look at him. <laughs> Great time. Talokan is very pretty. I like mm-hmm. the siren feel with their sound hypnosis music. Mm-hmm. I like that they kept Namor being a dick and also a ladies' man, because you can tell... He's trying to level up that seduction to 100. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Just wait until the Fantastic Four come up and it's going to just be, Reed, you better watch out. Namor coming for your girl. Yeah, for real. No, Namor was really good. Namor was actually significantly better than I was expecting. I didn't ask you this in the theater because it, you, it made you really giddy right before he literally got blown the fuck up. <laughs> oh, he said a thing. Yeah, he said, what was it, like, Rex Imperium, I believe? Imperius Rex, that's his catchphrase. It's meaningless Latin, but it's just... Oh, that's just straight up his catchphrase? Yeah. I okay. don't like that he said it in a different language. Okay. Because I feel like that takes away the impact to see it written in subtitles rather than said aloud. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's a meaningless Latin word anyway, or Latin phrase. But oh boy, that just made me so happy because I did not think we were getting we were gonna get an Imperious Rex. So when he said that, and when you started like going crazy in your chair, I'm like, oh, something bad's about to happen, isn't it? And it's like gets blown the fuck up. Okay, something bad happened to him. <laughs> I did not think that was gonna happen. I was just happy to get the catchphrase. Yeah, no. I don't know if you had anything else because I kind of want to move into like talking about Shuri a little bit. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, um, no, I'm going to keep that particular joke to myself, although it's a joke I stole off of Reddit. Her being the Black Panther was done okay. Yeah, it was, it was, it was very okay. I think that's in in large part just because what was done with Black Panther in this movie isn't really nothing we haven't seen before. Although I was very surprised that, because we, when she's taking hits... You see, like, this suit have kind of the purple glow go over it, because, like, with T'Challa's suit, one of the things that was added in it is the ability to, to absorb kinetic energy and push it back out the more damage um, is taken. From my recollection, that never happened in the move in Wakanda She collapsed forever. a whole rock on him. Okay, that's where it was. All right. I think there was a certain point at the movie in the movie where I was like, she's taking a lot of hits and not using this ability. Yeah, she collapsed the whole giant rock on him. Oh, okay. All right, fair. By never mind doing that. the by doing the thing. 
Okay, yeah, never mind. I think for me what it was is that it took so long to get to that point with all the hits she was taking relatively early with in her wearing the suit. That was like, is this just, like, not a thing? So I think when it happened at that point, my brain just went, okay, so I guess that's been turned off and just kind of glossed over it. Plus, uh, I think a lot of the Talacanian hits came from vibranium stuff, so who knows how that works. There might not be any kinetic energy to absorb. Yeah, I mean, his... I mean... His spear did, like, straight up go through the suit and everything, so... Oh, that was uncomfortable. That was very uncomfortable, so... But I'm thinking it's like, okay, maybe it just cancels... Somehow cancels each other out, maybe? I don't know. I'm not ex- expert in Marvel science. <laughs> yeah, vibranium's always a weird metal, and when you put vibranium against vibranium... <sighs> Fair. Her, like, taking the, the um, herb, going to the ancestral zone... And seeing Killmonger was so great and it so was. well done and so very understandable. Like, it wasn't even a thing of, like, this is a cameo for cameo's sake. Everything that happens there is completely understandable because, ultimately, throughout the whole movie, she is still grieving. And in her case, her grief is, like, direct, was, like in the form of anger at the whole world. So it makes perfect sense that Killmonger would be the one who shows up because he's the family member who relates to her mindset the most at that point. Yeah. And then she turns around. The sadness when she feels like her family's abandoned her Mm -hmm. is palpable because it's just, it's feeding even more into that fury of, I did all of this. I brought back the, I brought back the heart-shaped herb. I brought back the Black Panther. I did this to protect us. Why are they not with me? Why did I have to talk to him and have him tell me that I'm the same? This Mm -hmm. is not what this is. And the whole while, she's edging more and more towards exactly like him. Yeah, she goes... Shuri goes full, like, actually Star Wars dark side in the last quarter of the movie. Up until the very end, at least. Okay, so... You know what? That's a minor thing. A lot of the callbacks in this are fine, and I like them, and they hit really hard. When mm-hmm. Ramonda reminds Nakia that death is not the end, I cried a little bit. Oh, yeah. Because all I could think about was T'Challa in Civil War giving that explanation to Black Widow about how death is not the end, and when she says it sounds very comforting, he says, my father thought so. I'm not my father. Hmm. And remembering that whole thing and how we're not getting any more of him hurt. Yeah. But there was one callback, and it's Shuri saying, Vengeance has consumed us, we can't let it consume our people. And that's a callback to, also in Civil War, when T'Challa tells Zemo, Vengeance has consumed you, it's consuming them, I'm done letting it consume me. But that's one of those lines where I feel like that only works if it's T'Challa saying it, because that doesn't feel like a Wakanda thing. That feels like a T'Challa thing. So unless you were listening in and you had it on record and you were like, shit, that's good, I'm going to take that for later in case I ever get consumed by vengeance. That was a portion for me that was very clunky because it was a thing of, I understand why she made that decision because it was ultimately the correct decision. But considering how just fuel of rage that she was before, it just kind of felt like an on-off switch there. Like it, it, it kind of felt like a came a little bit out of nowhere when she made that decision. Especially because she's isolated from everybody else, so she can't actually witness what's going on and how she's about to doom her people Mm -hmm. to this. 
So it feels a little abrupt, I'll agree. Yeah, yeah, sure, it was great. One little minor thing about the Ironheart situation. Mm -hmm. There were some moments where, in the same way that Vengeance Has Consumed Us was a little too directly aping Black Panther or T'Challa's thing, there were a couple of moments where I was rolling my eyes about Ironheart because it felt very... This is just a repeat of Iron Man. Mostly the exceeding a safe altitude limit in order to do a thing, and then almost crashing on the way down. Little on the nose. Yeah, that was kind of one of those things where I did think about that. It, it popped in my brain a little bit when that happened. I was like, okay, we're... I felt like the movie was like trying to do everything it could to establish like Riri being separate from Tony Stark. But that was one where it's just kind of like, okay, still got to establish some kind of line. It's a, an establishment that I don't personally think needed to be made, but... It know, also just know. begs the question of why is she trying to build another Iron Man suit specifically? Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, I'm sure an explanation is coming, and I hope it's better than the comic books. Because... The... Okay, so... Ugh. Yeah, I was gonna say, what do the comic books do? <laughs> I'd love to save this for a poorly explained comics on Ironheart, but you know what? Then do that. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go into it now. So, because okay. let's face it, Ironheart's not coming out for another like probably year or so. So I've got I got time to figure out what else to do. So mm -hmm. in the comics, when Riri was a kid in like elementary school or something, they were talking about what they wanted to be when they grew up, and she said she wanted to be a scientist or something. And the teacher responded with, "That's great," and Riri went wait, no, you're supposed to tell me I can't do it. And then the teacher goes, what are you talking about, Riri? That's not how it works anymore. Anybody can be anything that they want to be. And then she just keeps standing there, like, glaring, and the teacher just goes, fine, whatever, you'll never be the next Tony Stark. I'll show you. <laughs> oh, come on. And that's literally the reason why she built an Iron Man suit. That's so stupid. <laughs> Brian Michael Bendis, ladies and gentlemen, how the mighty have fallen. Because it's basically... Imagine if she said you'd never be the next Doctor Doom. <laughs> what a different story we'd be telling. It's like, okay, you'll never be the next Joseph Stalin. <laughs> you'll never be the next Ant-Man, I'll tell you what. That No, like, that was... When you mentioned Doctor Doom, it's like, okay, yeah, that is where my brain's going. It's like, imagine the possibilities if that's all it took. <laughs> If that is, like, all it takes for this girl to do anything, like, some very bad things would happen very quickly, depending on the person she's talking to. <laughs> so I am hoping we get something a little more nuanced than that in the show, mm -hmm. which will hopefully explain why she's trying to model Stark Tech specifically. Mm -hmm. Then again, I guess it makes a little more sense in the MCU considering that Tony Stark so far is by and away the smartest person that most people would be expected to have heard of. Shuri's potentially smarter, but on the flip side, I'm not sure how many people are aware of just how advanced she is. Yeah. And it's a relatively new thing, presumably. Whereas, there's no Reed Richards right now. Bruce Banner's mostly known as the big angry green guy. Peter Parker effectively doesn't exist. Right. Erskine's been dead for ages. So mm. it, it makes a little more sense here, but it is still a case of, okay, but why an Iron Man suit? 
Yeah, I feel like they're going to try and hopefully with a lot less cinder block shoes syndrome than the comics. But I imagine they might be setting a thing up where it's like, okay, so we need somebody to an extent, at least, to occupy the spot that Tony Stark once had. And with everything going on, it kind of seems like they're setting up Riri, at least a little bit based on the little bit we've seen of her so far, to be the person to step up to that role. Yeah. They seem to have realized it can't be Peter because Sony could take their ball and go home at any point, and Mm -hmm. it can't be Rhodey because Don Cheadle's getting up there. Yeah. So So we're going to need somebody else, and nobody liked Harley from Iron Man 3, so... (laughs) post credit scene? Okay, that's the other one that I really don't like. Mm. And I might be reading this wrong. And if I am, I apologize. So the reveal of the post credit scene is that part of why Nakia has been gone for six years is that she got pregnant with T'Challa's son, and they decided to raise him away from Wakanda and the pressures of the throne. Mm. Which is valid. Completely. The frustrating part for me and the part that pushes it into this is really fucking cynical, is when it turns out that the child's name, Toussaint, 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 I'm bad at pronunciation and I don't speak French, Mm -hmm. is his Haitian name, and that his actual name, his birth name, is T'Challa after his dad. And this might just be because I'm a comic book reader, but that feels like some of the most cynical have your cake and eat it too bullshit in the wake of everything that they've done with this franchise after saying they're not going to recast T'Challa because nobody could replace Chadwick Boseman turning around and then going oh but he has a son who is also named T'Challa in this unstoppable merchandising juggernaut of a franchise feels fucking dirty so for me at that bit it was one of those things where I kind of I feel like what they were going for was supposed to be like kind of a final sweet send off to T'Challa, especially with the whole things of like, you know, when it comes to death, it's not final by any means. So I felt like they were trying to do something really sweet, but the execution of it just really wasn't there. It, it reminded me, well, probably not the greatest com- like comparison. It did kind of remind me of the like, the ending of episode nine of Star Wars and how, um, how she took this, how <laughs> Ray Skywalker, <laughs> how Ray, I'm laughing at your reaction, how Ray took the Skywalker name. And it's one of those things where like, I get what they're trying to do here. And to at least a certain extent, it does make sense, but it does still come off as a little like trip over your own shoelaces. Yeah. The thing for me is, if this was the last Black Panther thing, it would be fine. fine. Yeah. But this is the MCU as produced and funded by Disney. So what I'm expecting is the new T'Challa is going to eventually take over as Black Panther, either 10 to 15 years from now when the actor naturally ages up, or, since we've got a movie about alternate timelines and time travel coming up in Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars, we get a new actor to play the aged-up version of that character, and bada-boom, bada-bing, T'Challa's Black Panther again. And mm-hmm. that just feels... gross. Yeah, I kind of hope they don't go that route, but I can't see it happening at the same time. 
replacement characters are fairly common in comics, and in comics it's one thing, because, you know, those aren't actual people, but yeah. when the entirety of Wakanda Forever had to be written around to accommodate the death of the actor and the decision not to recast, this just feels like it's flying in the face of that. Yeah, it's it's a different thing when the re- we're not well not a recasting the reimagining or rebirth of a fictional character it has a different tone when that rebirth is happening because the actual human being that played them is gone right so that didn't sit well with me at all i see what they're going for and i hope i'm wrong i really mm-hmm. hope i'm wrong maybe t'challa the second Prince T'Challa. I'm going to call him Prince T'Challa because T'Challa II just sounds demeaning. Mm -hmm. Maybe Prince T'Challa will become White Tiger or something. Hmm. Who knows? Alright. Yeah, like I said, my only thing with that was I could see what they were going for, but I don't think it was done well in the slightest. (laughs) Also, M'Baku is king now, presumably. I really hope so. (laughs) They kind of left that one, like, out open and it's just like, I am here to challenge for the throne. It's like... Well, she's in Haiti, so... Yeah, it's like, who is he challenging? (laughs) Presumably he's saying if anybody else wants a swing, they can come take it, and I don't think anybody's going to take him up on that, considering... A, he was a pillar of support during the whole crisis with Talokan, and B, have you seen him? Yeah, have you seen him fight? Have you seen this man? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know, for me... This might be a bit of my own cynicism going off, but I could see them, like, having that be a ways of introducing a different character. It'd be like, yeah, I'll take you on, and Umbaku ends up losing. But I would hope that he is currently, like, the king of, of Wakanda. I think if that had happened, we would have seen it. Mm, fair. But overall, yeah, I like this movie quite a bit, despite the nitpicks that I went over in the spoiler section. It is... Nothing short of astounding that they made it work as well as they did, considering the circumstances. Mm-hmm. And I do look forward to seeing where Wakanda goes from here, especially because now they're in a very fragile position, as Namor pointed out. Yeah, they are. The, the eyes of the world are upon Wakanda, and not in a good way at all. <laughs> nope. You got anything else? Eh. Eh, not really. Not, or at least nothing that's, like, in my mind worth talking about. Fair enough. In that case, next week, I guess it'll be the menu. Yeah, it's probably going to be the menu. Well, what was the other thing that comes out? Because I think there's one uh, other that's thing. an excellent question. I think there was one other thing that comes out, but I think we were both leaning towards the menu anyway. It was either the menu or it was... Or it was she said. Oh, that's right. Uh, I have a feeling I want to see see Shed's try saying that five times fast. You just said see Shed. <laughs> I feel like I want to see see she said probably more than you do. Definitely. Yeah, but even still, the menu still wins in that regard. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a Ray Fiennes comedy thriller thing. Yeah, what the it's heck? A, it's a Ray Fiennes dark comedy horror thriller, like with Anya Taylor Joy and John Leguizamo. Yeah, it's it's 
It's no contest, unfortunately. Tremendous. Yeah. <laughs> In any case, whatever we do next week, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe. If you've seen Wakanda Forever, let us know what you thought of it. Y- yes, Follow please. the Facebook page, because there's going to be more stuff to come eventually through that page, probably. And, uh... Wimity wham wham wazzle, this has been Under the Bridge. Good night, everybody. Don't worry, this is not going to be my new catchphrase. <laughs> if I ever got one again, I'd stick with Rangda Bangda. Oh my god. Which I won't. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>